0: Everyone, welcome back to here in Apologetics, super pumped you're joining us today. We like to talk about philosophy, apologetics, theology, and all kinds of cool stuff. So come and let's think and let's have fun. Um, today I have Josh Yen and we'll be looking at Graham Loppy's logical problem of, of evil. So Josh, what's up, man? How's it going? I'm doing absolutely phenomenal.
1: Thank you. I've been, it's been a crazy time in Hong Kong. It's been raining all of a sudden these days, but it's all good now. It's been a sunny day. How is it, how is it over, over there?
0: I just moved back to the university in Virginia. So um, it's really hot or it's just raining. And that's like the two we get. So we get like 110 in humid or 100 in humid or we get just like pouring rain. And then that's like the two options we have. So, you know, we're, we're hanging in there, but I'm excited for fall, um, but super excited for this. Uh, so today we're going to be looking at just a short clip. Uh, Graham Opie did an interview on Alex Mas- Malpass's channel, Thoughtology, on logical problems of evil. We pulled out a little clip of this where Graham brings out his own logical problem the evil. Um, so we're going to look at it. It's going to be a lot of fun and josh do you have anything you want to say before we dig into this
1: not really it's a very interesting channel and also Thoughtology is perhaps my favorite atheist youtube channel they're not to throw any shade on alex o'connor or anyone else but i really like it it's like high quality like really Mm -hmm. academic stuff and i really enjoy watching that channel so you guys should all go check that
2: out
0: Mm -hmm. yeah alex is Alex Malpass's channel is really great. Um, And this is a video really worth thinking about. And like, this is probably my favorite version of the logical problem of evil because there's just a lot of fun things to think about. And I think it gets to like the issues very quickly. And I do want to say, like, if you know, like, Graham Oppie, he doesn't see this as some sort of, like, decisive defeater, which is, like, why he's an atheist. Like, you'll see in this clip, he's like, yeah, I mean, I don't accept theistic, accept this argument. Um, but he kind of sh- tries to draw out what he thinks are some, like, inconsistencies in, like, a theistic worldview. Um, so we're going to draw that out and have a lot of fun. So you ready to get into this first clip, Josh?
1: Yep, completely ready for it. Looking
0: forward Alrighty, to it. All Let's do it.
3: I-, I give various other um, logical arguments from a little in the paper, I give a simple one, which is one that I find interesting. I don't think that you can't avoid this argument either, but consider this. If God exists, God's the perfect X and I creator of our universe. So the characterization is just God's perfect, God's the creator of our universe. Essentially, God's the creator of everything else that's got cause of something like that. But the datum is our universe is imperfect. It's imperfect in various respects. There's lots of moral evil in it, for example. There's lots of natural evil in it. Those seem to be imperfections, right? So it doesn't seem a big stretch to say our universe is imperfect. What I would emphasize is the moral evils. Right? In a perfect universe, everyone would always choose the best. So. Okay, linking premises. The actions of a perfect being can't decrease the degree of perfection of the world. And if God exists, then prior to all creation, the world's perfect, the world being everything that it is, right? there, that's what I mean, it's not, I'm not talking about our universe because it doesn't exist yet, I'm just talking about the sum of the original it is is perfect these seem to form an inconsistent set right? if our universe is imperfect God's perfect, a perfect being can't make a transition from a perfect state to an imperfect state then what happened? Right? so, yeah. so there's, a, there's a different kind of logical argument from well this one's from imperfection, love and evil but like I said imperfection, evil, suffering they fit in the same
0: category all right. Lots of great stuff here to start thinking about uh, as he presents the argument. So, Josh, you want to take it first and like what are your thoughts about what's going on here?
1: My initial thought, which I think was very interesting, was kind of just focus on moral evil instead of natural evil, because I think that bringing in the moral aspect does bring in the idea that you could say, well, maybe maybe humans need to have freedom in order to be perfect or or. Uh, freedom humans need freedom to be good and and you could make the idea that if god did not make humans without freedom then well moral evil then becomes a bit of a bit of a problem it's like well if you accept that moral or at least uh you need free will or at least morality in order for humans to be good or to fulfill their potential then well it seems that that could be explained just like Plantinga does with a free will defense in some sense now now i think that the natural evil, however, would pose a bigger problem, at least if you're only looking at his formulation of the argument, because, well, natural evil, you might say, well, look at the world. Why is there so much suffering here? Then then it's not just saying God created good humans which went wrong. It's like, well, God created a world which causes a lot of evil in itself. So I think it's perhaps, just as the first place, seems to me to be perhaps an even stronger variation or formulation of, uh, of his argument if he actually does focus on natural evil instead.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what I really like about this argument before we get into like some criticisms of it is like I think he gives like value in like what kind of universe we'd expect to exist if God exists. Um, Because, you know, like theists will almost unanimously agree like God's a perfect being, um, perfect like goodness, rationality, you know, all these all these omni attributes. Um, So from that we can say, well, Oppie's like, well, wouldn't we expect like a perfect universe or something pretty close to it if God exists? Like this is like why would a perfect being just create something imperfect? Like, I think there's a lot of value into that, and I think it is fair to assume that a perfect being would probably create something, like, perfect or something close to it. And then we think about, like, reflecting on our world, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of evil. Um, but then we have to remember, at least in my mind, not to get caught up in, like, just this moment, because we think about, like, from a Christian worldview, like, we, as Christians, would assume like the Christian God exists. And it's like, yeah, the evils are part of creating something perfect. Um, which seems, at least in my mind, just preliminary. Like it seems like they almost fit better with a Christian worldview because it's like, okay, well, yeah, there's these imperfections, but perfection is coming, at least according to Christianity. um So you may not have as big of a problem as uh initially we might think we will might with this argument. um So what do you think, Josh? I think that idea is
1: just very nice.
0: It's like, what do we exactly
1: expect from a Christian worldview? And and I think that there's this idea. If you look at any story in in history, you look at Lord of the Rings. It's my favorite. It's like well there's always the the immediate critique of lord of the rings and now i sound like a new atheist if i critique it but it's like well why did why did it they just take the eagles and fly them directly to mount doom and just drop the ring in and like the most literal (laughs) taking of the text and you might look at that and you're like well well doesn't that just kind of defeat the entire purpose of the story like and we could apply this idea to humans in the world right now if god created all of us in this kind of divine pseudo perfect state then well well, what's exactly what's exactly the purpose of humans? Because we at least depended on your theological stance, of course. But, but assuming that God actually had angels around him before kind of the creations of humans. If he if he just created people on this world who were completely perfect and had absolutely no freedom, absolutely like kind of no no kind of struggle or suffering, then well, you could say, well, what's the point of creating humans? He's just created an another like hu- like angels 2.0. It's like you have to mm-hmm. have really this kind of idea that there is struggling, there's suffering, there's a fall, but but maybe that fall is a part to perfection. Maybe it's looking at the existence of the fall or existence of this suffering and saying, well, humans are only complete or the story of humans are only complete when they're faced with so much suffering and struggling in the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that like I'm not convinced that like all suffering is evil. Like suffering can be used for good and suffering in itself can be good. Like I'm going to go on a run after we finish like this the uh this stream and it's going to, I'm going to suffer a little bit, but I wouldn't consider that evil. Cause you know, I'm just like a little bit out of shape and that's just kind of like, I'm growing in my capacity in a similar way. Like I think like sufferings can be helpful for like growing and making a more like a better story. Like just like aesthetically, if you think about it, like um story one, God creates everyone in heaven, happily ever after. That doesn't seem as like aesthetically appealing as like, there's gonna be this story. There's gonna be trials and tribulations, and there's gonna be stories and substories, and all these things going on, and then it's gonna all end in a perfect way. But like the second option, at least to me, seems so much like um, intuitively just like better than like the first option. So I think I agree with you. Um, do you want to get into some of the? Do you have any critiques of like the linking premises or anything you want to talk about with the argument before we get into the next section? Though
1: I would actually just say that when we're talking about kind of this perfect or the suffering as a role in this perfect narrative i want to make it very clear that well at least for me i'm not nece- we're not necessarily stating that all suffering is then justified by this kind of greater purpose or this great idea and now all the suffering is kind mm-hmm. of all well and good here because there are suffering in reality which is just immense and and to some degrees is indeed gratuitous but it's just mm-hmm. to say that while well, not everything is as, like at the face value as bad as we view it that said there are indeed the evils which are just seemingly absolutely crazy out there which which you have to do more thinking about and and you can't just view it on a surface level kind of dismissal
0: yeah i mean i honestly struggle when people say that there's no gratuitous evils like that's really hard and i'm like i think that's totally consistent with christian theology like they have gratuitous evils um but like i don't know i i kind of have that intuition i do want to say though with like linking premise one so he prevents this argument and he says the actions of a perfect being cannot decrease the perfection of the world i wanted to talk about this a little bit here because i was thinking about this um and a few things like to think about is like a perfect being would still be perfect, even if there's an imperfect universe. So like when God creates this universe with like chaos and death and like we're living here in this world, that's imperfect. Like God's still perfect. So he has like, God hasn't changed. God isn't imperfect because he's done this. Um, so I think these are something worth thinking about. And I also think about like, if the universe is like all things equal g- better than like worse, like if it's a good universe, then it seems like, well, we have some justification for like God to create this universe. Like, so like, You know like obviously the universe isn't perfect but it's not like perfectly evil either there's just kind of like this balance and like i think like almost most people would agree like the universe is better than it is worse like no one there's not many people saying we need to like nuke everyone because the universe is just filled with all this evil and it's not outweighed by like the goods of life um so there's that thing and then the other thing i thought about is like in the beginning like um i talked about like giving christian theism um God is in the process of creating a perfect universe. So like, traditionally, like we have the Christian response of like evils are a part of creating greater good that's going to lead to perfection. Uh, so I think ultimately, like, Oppie's claim that a perfect being would create something perfect actually is going to give weight to Christian theism. Because in Christian theism, a perfect universe is in God's plans. We're just not there yet. So I almost wonder, like, as I was thinking about, like, this review and stuff, I was like, yeah, it's like – seems to fit pretty well with like a Christian view of things where there's this story and we're growing and we're headed towards perfection. We're just not there yet. Um, So I threw a bunch of things out there, but just stuff I thought about. So do you have any other thoughts, Josh? I just think building on the idea that, well, the perfect, I think your idea
1: that the good, the goodness of the universe is just such an interesting thing to look at because because you know, like, and and I don't want to be sound. I don't want to sound petty or anything like this. But <laughs> but I think a lot of times when the new when I want to say new. Anyway, but when some atheists complain about evil, they're like, well, let's look at all the evil in this world. Let's look at all the suffering, the natural suffering, and everything. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. is that really the case? Because well, what's the natural? What's the natural or at least utilitarian conclusion? I'm I'm not saying utilitarian is the right way to go around with ethics, but for most of the atheists I've talked with, they all kind of subscribe to some sense of utilitarianism. And you're like, but what's the most Utilitarian ways to look at things. If if the net suffering of this world is greater than the positive, well, the natural one would be to kind of stop having children and just like getting rid of absolutely everything. And you might say, well, if that's the case, what where do we go now? If everything all just suffering, if everything is all just pain, then why don't we destroy everyone on this world? Why is life better than non-life? It's like we every day, no matter what suffering we face, we seem to suggest that there is something good in this world which is worth fighting for and getting up on the net getting up tomorrow and saying, well, let's, let's move this world towards somewhere better. And, and I think that action of moving the world towards someone better, just recognizes that there is something intrinsically good with the world that we've provided. And it's something that we can't just throw away and say, well, this is just all evil, because that's clearly not how our actions and how our lives kind of interplay with reality.
0: That's actually really interesting. You brought that up. I remember, uh, I listened to Jordan Peterson a little bit, the like psychologist who's not a Christian, but he's really thoughtful. He talked about how like, it's this great miracle that people like wake out like get out of bed in the mornings. Like, if we think about it, like why on earth do we get out of bed in the mornings? Like, like, it seems like we just live as if there is some sort of purpose to our lives when like, especially if like we take like the atheistic, way of things, it seems really hard for me to see some sort of like greater purpose. Um, but like that is a miracle. Like, like it seems like just like intuitively without even like reflecting on it every morning, we get up and do things. Cause we think there is some sort of like purpose to our lives and we should do things because certain things are good or valuable. Um, so I think that's really interesting. You brought that up, Josh. So yeah, I'm glad you did Completely agree with it. Awesome. So what we'll do now then is we will get into this next clip um, about the fall.
2: So is there going to be some kind of response
0: to that, which is that like,
2: I mean, someone's going to say, yeah, but, you know, the fall or whatever, right? Like, that's what happened. Everything was perfect. And then, you know, Eve messed it up by eating the apple or something. Like, that's that's the explanation for the imperfection. Like, well, God didn't make but, it. so but God's supposed to be perfect.
3: And I'm going to, let's say that that entails that God's omnipotent. So what, you're telling me that God didn't foresee that what was being made was going to be imperfect? Uh, I'm thinking that a perfect being can't it's just not going to allow a transition from perfection to imperfection. Yeah, right. So the, the doctrine of the fall is not going to help. Right?
0: Um,
3: that doesn't. What, what? But
0: right. So, what do you think about this clip, Josh? Really helpful. I think it's a very interesting
1: thing to look at, and I think there's two distinctions that we make here. And it's and the one he makes here is kind of saying, well, God will not allow uh, allow a perfect state to lead to an imperfect state, but then. Well, the, the interesting thing here is that, well, what exactly is the perfect state that God created in the beginning? And and of course, mm-hmm. I don't think the, the the world that God made in the beginning was absolutely perfect. I think there was problems to it. But then, then you could look at it more carefully and say, well, I think that it's too easy to say, well, God just allowed imperfection to happen because you could say that at the same time that God created a, a good or a perfect state. And that's what Oppie wants to present. And maybe God created a perfect state in Eden and and he did indeed foresee the fall, which is going on. He he did predict that humans were going to go bad, but but humans going bad wasn't because of some inherent problem that God created. It was it was because of the inherent nature of of humans themselves. It's like humans, perhaps you might suggest, well, humans might need, might humans might have this special property within them that that requires suffering to to achieve their full potential or something that, along those lines. And I think that that premise is actually more easily is quite easy to defend even though at face value the atheist might say well maybe that's not the case well god could have just created them perfect in the beginning but well but well if you look at god creating free humans assuming that freedom is indeed a very important part of human nature and human development then you're saying well perhaps no matter what free humans that or what whatever god made in the beginning it's like humans would always have managed to fall at some time along the line and if that's the case then well I don't see any problem of this world going from perfect to imperfect. It's like God created a perfect world. And that fall was part of the perfection. It was part of the plan in the first place. And and this is an idea that I think Hegel got into. and, And Hegel's not as Christian or doesn't view things as kind of we do, but he views it as the fall is part of the redemptive action. And it's like, well, he views the fall not as something which is bad, but in fact, something which is good, that the world actually became better through the fall because the fall brought along the redemptive nature of Christ and not because God purposely made us to fail so that he could redeem us. We failed and there was a redemption with it within the failure itself. And that's something that is quite an interesting thing to look at or an interesting perspective.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's super, I think that's good. Um, I think obviously like, like just thinking about this clip, like I obviously agree with Api, like God foresaw the fall um, like you know as christians we kind of probably have to accept that um and we talked about the transition from like a perfect and imperfect state and i do think like there really is something to like this idea of there's being like this great story um like i think about like if you like in is God the best explanations of things josh spends like 20 pages um building out this like great story theodicy kind of talking about like what's going on here and like there is this aesthetic impulse towards like stories and the beauty of stories and um having like adventures and journeys and challenges and like all these things, like if we are just in a perfect state, like it seems like it's very unlikely we're gonna get that if we just have this perfect state in the beginning. Um, so I think I agree with a lot with what you're saying and like the fall is part of that story of um, this great story that's unfolding that we get to be a part of in 2021. So anything else you wanna add, Josh?
1: Nope, I think that's basically everything for this section. and I have some other stuff
0: later on. Yeah, so we'll get to this next clip where he's gonna talk a little bit about contradictions.
3: In, in one way, but in another way, it does, right? Theists are going to say that linking premise is false. The actions of a perfect being can decrease the degree of perfection of the world. The perfect being can make an imperfect universe. I think that's kind of mysterious. Um, maybe theists don't even agree that it's mysterious. Maybe they just think yeah, that's you know, there's no problem here. That would be enough that avoid then there's no contradiction in their view. the contradiction is between something I believe and some things that they believe. But of course, we knew that there were such contradictions all along because they think God exists and I don't, right? Getting contradictions by mixing together our views is all too easy. Yeah.
0: Okay, lots of interesting stuff here on, like, contradictions and worldviews, and you see a little bit of, like, what Opie thinks about, like, the nature of arguments and stuff. Um So what do you think, Josh?
1: Well, I think maybe you could go first and talk about the nature of arguments because I think you have some very interesting things to say.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, like, Oppie brings up a good point on like the nature of arguments like i think it's very very uncommon where someone's gonna like say like someone's a theist they're gonna look at like an, athe- an argument for atheism and be like oh shoot yeah i was wrong i'm mean, actually atheism is true or like vice versa where an atheist is gonna like look at one argument and just become a theist like that that seems very unlikely so i think Oppie is right that like like it's theists, we're going to reject this argument. Um, cause we have all these other reasons. Well, I think God exists in like the same way as like an atheist. They're going to reject theistic arguments because you know, they believe God doesn't exist. So obviously there's going to be some tension there. So I, I agree with oppie on like, na- I think he gets a lot of points right with the nature of arguments. Um, obviously there's some disagreement and whatnot, but I think he is right about that. So yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on like Oppie and the nature of arguments. It's, it's a good point. I think the nature of arguments is so interesting. It's because I think
1: it's very easy to see kind of, you have all these arguments for an argument for God or an argument against God, and you have the atheist pro- raising the problem of evil, and you have the Christian providing the response. Then perhaps there's this more fundamental argument at, at heart here, which is what exactly do we mean by God? It's like, and, and of course you watch on jordan peterson so you probably know like he gets absolutely triggered when people ask him do you believe in god <laughs> but, but then yeah. you, you think about it deeper and you're like well god might mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people and this is not to say well now now half of the world are heretics but it's more like well mm-hmm. the role that god plays in everyone's life is different and the way people interact with god is different in everyone's life such that the view that people have towards god is is going to be different no matter how you kind of approach things in a phenomenological way or even in a in perhaps a more philosophical way it doesn't really matter but you might say well maybe the atheist views god as something completely different as what the theist actually views god as i think that was what saying. such that when the atheist raises the problem of evil the problem of evil might actually work but it only works for the god that the atheist is thinking that the theist believes in and mm-hmm. in the same in the same way the problem of evil does not work for the theists, not necessarily because the argument the atheist raises is wrong on their view. It's just that the subject of the argument, God, is just a completely different being such that there is actually no problem of evil occurring at all.
0: Yeah. No, I think there's something right to that. I think Oppie's argument's good because it kind of gets towards, like, a perfect being theism. Like, if you think about, like, Mackie's argument, um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to reach, like, perfect being theism. Like, But I think Oppie's argument's, like, well, we have this tension between, like, saying that God is perfect, like, perfect being theism, and, like, an imperfect universe. So I, I do think that's helpful to think about. I think you're right. Like, not everyone has, like, a full-out concept of God. Like, <laughs> it's definitely a challenge to have. Um, I do want to say with, like, the contradictions, like, Oppie – he brings this point again where he's like, well, like God is perfect and this universe is imperfect. So God's doing something and he's creating something imperfect, which seems to go against like a perfect nature. Um, but like, once again, like, I just want to remind people, like God is still perfect in an imperfect world. Like God doesn't become like less morally perfect when he creates this imperfect universe. Like he's still perfectly good. Um, and if the goodness of the world outweighs the evils of the world it seems like from a like God would have some justification for creating this world, um, and if there's more bad than good, then why would why don't we just destroy everything? Like I think that's an important point to remember. And like we talked about like previously, like Christian theism, we're progressing towards perfection. So it seems like well, Christian theism would be compatible with this argument because it's like yeah, evils are a part of this story and this soul building and such that progresses towards perfection. Um, so a few points there. Do you have anything else you want to add, Josh? I think there's something which is very interesting, and it's like well, what exactly do we mean by good and
1: a lot of people like to say, well, good is just the act of good is something which is found within actions and there's nothing much when you go beyond it. There's like kind of the Kantian idea and, and not really a Kantian idea, but there's like this kind of if you follow the rules, the set of rules, then it's good and, and there's and I have to admit there's some parts of that kind of feeling found within some some forms of Christianity, which I don't necessarily agree with and and there's no point me going into that kind of what I agree with in Christianity or not. But but it's kind of like a lot of people like to say, well, as long as you follow the rules in Christianity, then everything is fine. As long as you follow the Ten Commandments and whatever in the Bible, then everything's good. But that's not necessarily what is happening, I don't think, and in reality. I think what really is good is is like you look at the context, right? If you look at if you look at everything going around it as well, it's like, well, goodness isn't just something which is only good in the sense that you're only doing the actions. It's goodness being the property of you being able to do what is worse and doing what is evil and doing so much more evil but you're still choosing to do the good because Hmm. because assuming you're a baby right a baby is 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 quite weak i have a a few cousins who are like two or three years old they can say thank you to you they can say um they could say they could do all the right things but would you really call them oh very very good people I, i wouldn't say they're very very good people because well they don't have any potential to do evil. It's like, would you would you award um, a random person in society for being a moral, virtuous person when compared to someone, a great leader who has the chance to cause horrible wars, but also have the chance to do great good with their power? I think the second mm-hmm. person is clearly more good because they also have the great potential of evil. And God creating this world is actually a very good world because the world itself we know has a great potential of evil. We've seen horrible things happening, like the Holocaust, if we're just looking at moral evil, like Opio, we've seen the Holocaust, we've seen the great purges of Stalin, we've seen the world and humans created with great potential of evil, but that great potential of evil comes with a great potential to do good as well. And perhaps Mm. it's this dynamic which makes it such that the world that God created was always a good thing and that the fall was actually part of that goodness of the world. It's giving humans that potential to do evil and as a result, the overall kind of situation is actually better with the full and with the evil than not with the full and without the evil.
0: I think so. This is something Swinburne gets at a little bit in some of his works that I've read. And like I think there's something very right about what you're saying. Like, like I think about like myself, I have the potential to do um horrendous things. Like, you know, I can do terrible, horrific things that are, you know, or just you don't even want to talk about because things are terrible. But I also have that same potential to do amazing, beautiful things. Like we can make the world much. We have the potential to make the world a much worse place and a much better place. Like we have this within us, and like there's something really beautiful about that. And like creating free creatures who can um, choose for themselves and decide things and build character over time. Like I think like like every choice we make is important. Like I don't think like I could like go like kill a baby because. I've just made choices in my life that's like yeah that's wrong but I do think like originally like, if you make keep making bad choices or consuming bad things like eventually you could do bad things in the same way if you can keep consuming good things doing good things you have the potential to do great goods you never thought you could even do in the first place um so I do think there's something really beautiful about that where like humans like we can really go both ways and that potential is something very valuable I, I think
1: I completely agree with you on that
0: yeah um so what we we'll do do you have anything else to add or we can get in this final clip I think the
1: final thing that I can add perhaps is the is a question which I think is also very interesting and it's a question of why and, and, and I don't think it's necessarily a question which you need to add in order for his argument to work or in order for us to solve the argument. But there is always going to be that question is why does God allow for us to have an uh, imperfect universe or why would God create an imperfect universe even if he is a perfect being all along like why would he create yeah. the imperfect universe.
0: Yeah. No. Are you are you asking me? Or are you just like leaving? Yeah. It out just there I'm now? just
1: curious. Like yeah. What you're thinking no. About I here. think
0: it's I think a big part of like the way I think about evil is like building souls. Um. Like we're here to grow. Like we're not just here to like live and eat and drink and accept Jesus and get our escape out of hell card and head on to heaven. Like that's not that's not the Christian story. The sto- Christian story is building our souls, building our character, building our virtues. So I think like this imperfect universe allows us to grow. Like if there was no evil, how could we learn how to choose good over evil? Like we wouldn't be able to do that if there was no evils. We'd just always be choosing good. So like I think that's an important part of it. And then there's different things like we talked about, like the great story and like this beautiful story unfolding over time um, and like the value of life and like gives you like. Experiencing evil gives you a lot more appreciation for life. Like seeing people die, makes you appreciate your life more. Um, and it makes you question things more, which is good. um So, just a few things, you know. I I just solved the problem of evil. Just kidding.
1: Yeah, so that's a new genius now. But <laughs> I, completely, I completely agree with that. It's an absolutely phenomenal thing, and I think that's perhaps the best way to respond to it. And. And there's also, of course, the idea that you're building on as well, that that kind of perhaps this world itself isn't really imperfect. I mean, it might seem imperfect, but it's not imperfect in the stricter sense. And I think that ties into our responses, perhaps to the last part. So we could play that perhaps. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I do want to say like getting Mm -hmm. back to like talking about like why do we get out of bed in the morning? Like this is like this is human nature is like we get hit by a truck. Things go wrong. Craps happening like everything's going down. And then we get out of bed the next day and keep going. Like this is human nature to keep growing and progressing and to not stop. So like th- this seems like a very intuitive response, at least to myself. Um, but you want to get into this last clip? Sure. Let's do it. I do want to say we'll probably have a little bit of time. I know there's a few people watching right now. We'll do a little bit of Q&A. Um, but let's get into this last clip if it's related to like the problem of evil or something. So, so well I say- done. Sorry, sorry. Go
2: on. on. Well, I mean, I, it seems to me that, well, we were wondering before what uh, Maki meant by quasi-logical, right? Um, I mean, I guess I've always thought that he meant something like it seems to be part of the meaning of the word uh, "the perfectly good being," right? He's just really unpacking what that means. What it means to be perfectly good is that you decrease evil wherever possible, or whatever it is, like increase yeah. goodness. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So certainly, that's what he thinks.
2: Yeah, and it seems like maybe for you, it just what it means to be a perfect being is that you don't make imperfect things. Right? That's that's quasi-logical for you. That's kind of part of the meaning. It's analytically true. almost that a perfect being? wouldn't do anything that needs to an imperfect universe system. Is that right?
3: That's, well, so that's how it seems to me. It doesn't make sense to me that a perfect being would make imperfect things. Mm. would decrease the amount of perfection that's around. That just seems very weird to me. I'm not going to say that it's a necessary truth or an analytic truth or anything like that because I'm just reporting some. This is really just reporting how it seems to me. But, mm. um, but I talk to other people, I may talk to theists, and they don't seem to find it. But well, then I also to find it weird and way that I did.
2: Mm, yeah, right. I so, guess it's kind of the perfection is just one of those things that everybody's um, filling that bucket with their own idea of what that means. It seems to me it's unclear what it means. Everyone says it, but maybe everybody means a slightly different thing by it. I
0: don't know. All right, so that's the last little bit of this we're going to look at today. Um, so Josh, what are your thoughts on this last clip?
1: I think it's a very interesting thing, and there's definitely the question about is, is he talking about short-term perfection or is he talking about long-term perfection? Because I think if we look at the situation, we're given a story, right, or we're given a book and, and, you, and let's just use Lord of the Rings again because that's perhaps the only thing which comes into mind immediately. It's mm-hmm. like, well, is, is, it, is it perfect? Is, is the situation perfect And then you might say, well, what exactly do you mean? Is the situation of Lord of the Rings perfect? Well, you might say, well, in the middle, Boromir dies. Or you might say, well, Frodo gets stabbed by the Nazgul. And you're like, well, that's not a very good situation. You might say, well, short-term wise, the perfection isn't very good. Then you look at the end state of people going to um, Valinor, which is kind of like the heaven or the place of the gods, and you might say, "Well, well, that's perfect in the long term." And then you really have this weird question where it's like, "Well, then is it really perfect or is it imperfect?" Because yes, there's imperfections on the way, but it's a perfect conclusion. So, so then, what, which one are we talking about? Because we, if we view everything as long-term perfection, and I think that the entire problem that Matthew raises just goes away. Yes, God creates the universe, the short-term imperfection. If you're willing to even grant that, because as we've discussed before, maybe maybe there isn't even this short-term imperfection. But assume we even grant that there is short-term imperfection. We could say, well, God created the universe, there's short-term imperfection, but there is long-term perfection, and that long-term perfection is what matters. And as a result, God actually created something which was perfect all along. And then it really depends on how you kind of define or your view of perfection here.
0: Yeah, and it's hard because like thinking about like if we're talking about like humans and moral evil, like we're never going to be like perfect in the sense that like we're going to be God. Like, cause we think about like, God is like a perfect being, like as humans, like maybe one day we'll have perfect goodness and like, we won't choose to sin, but like I'm never going to be perfectly powerful or like per- have perfect knowledge. I'm um, probably still going to get things wrong from time to time. Probably not going to have like perfect rationality. So in some sense, like we're never going to be like, like literally God who's perfect in every way. Um, So I think that's important to remember, like, what exactly like does it mean we expect? And I think with Oppie, it's like well, we wouldn't expect all these evils. I mean, maybe we wouldn't have like creature like God would just create creatures that are just God, um, if that's even possible, which I think that's kind of incoherent. But like he's like, well, what what are what's with all these evils going on? And then I kind of say, Well, we've talked about this a lot. Like, well, there's different reasons. Like the story thing is super well, because like no one will buy a book that's like they lived happily ever after. The end. Like that's it. You know, like no one wants that. It's, like the story is so like intrinsic to human nature um to have these like trials and hardships and subplots and all these things going on like it's very very intuitive um so yeah that's kind of my thoughts i really enjoyed um thinking about this like argument from evil
1: i completely agree with you on that it's really fascinating
0: yeah um so i don't think there's any questions so i thank everyone who joined us i didn't know if people were watching video at nine in the morning um i guess it's 9 p.m in hong kong um but josh do you have anything you want to add before we start to wrap things up here i think
1: i think the final thing we can ask, wrap up is actually a question and and this is comes out of absolutely left field but but i was mm-hmm. wondering like well what exactly do we view as heaven is it perfect in the sense that everything is absolutely good or is it yeah. or is it just or is it actually suffering and struggling in heaven but at the same time it's like when, God, when they say there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, and no more tears. It's in the sense that humans fully appreciate heaven, and as a result, they're not crying. Which kind of situation mm-hmm. do you think it is? I'm, I'm kind oh, of torn between the too.
0: <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not the person to ask on this. Um, yeah. But like, what I understand, like, I've heard, like, I'm, I have not studied eschatology, like, at all. So I'm not the person to ask about this. But, like, the, me just winging it, like, I've heard, like, it talks about, like, there's, like, a war in heaven. So in some sense, like, there's going to be something, but like, was that just in the past? Is that going to happen? Like, you know, at the se- like the resurrection of the dead and after like final judgment, like then is like all the suffering over. I honestly don't know. I mean, I think there's going to be like some suffering in a sense of like, I'd like to think like, I'd still be able to exercise. Like, I don't think I'm going to have like this perfect stamina, like, like Conte where you can just run and run and run and never <laughs> stop. Um, Conte is a, Chelsea soccer player who's just crazy in midfield. Um, like, like I, I think so. There's got to be something, but then like that, like, extra, like exercise. Like that's not morally evil to suffer when you're exercising. Um, so there's got to be some sort of suffering, but I wouldn't think it would be evil. Like I don't think there's going to be like murder and torture or like anything. Like like there's going to be no genocides or like murders in heaven. So yeah, I don't know. It's something I haven't really thought about a lot. So what do you, do you have any thoughts, Josh?
1: I, I just completely agree with you. I, I, I tend to lean towards the point that there would be some sense of struggle or suffering in heaven. To what degree, I, I honestly don't know. And it's been something I've been kind of thinking about recently. And it's just kind of an interesting place to perhaps leave off or end off, kind of leave it hanging a question, perhaps.
0: Yeah. So for everyone listening, maybe just like research it and reflect on it and think about it and maybe even leave it in the comments. Like, what do you think heaven's going to be like? Cause man, it's an interesting question and we have little hints in revelation and little hints from Jesus, but you know, like there's a lot of mystery here. Um, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Josh. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, really enjoyed Graham Oppie's work. It's a lot of fun to think about. So anything else, any questions where you want to like destroy me with before we wrap things up here?
1: Nope, it's an absolute pleasure to come on your channel, like always. I always love doing this on my afternoons. It's really fun. Get my mind thinking a bit before school starts again. It's an absolute yeah. pleasure here, being here.
0: Yeah, it's super fun to talk with you, and I love doing this. And I'm glad you keep saying yes because it's fun to look at these different things. And we've looked at like the problem of evil, or like cosmological arguments, and like everything else in between. All kinds of fun stuff. Um, So yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Josh. I'm sure this won't be the last time. So uh, thank you, Jesus, Enigma, Oscar, everyone else you joined. um, We love you. You're awesome. Appreciate you coming in. If you're new to the channel, always be sure to subscribe, leave a like. And if you enjoy the channel, um, consider becoming a patron or YouTube member. So you can just press the join and be a YouTube member for like $1.99 a month. That helps a lot. Or become a patron. And you can also do like yearly plans where it charges you like once a year and starts as little as a dollar a month. But Josh... One last time thank you so much it's been a lot of fun and thank you everyone have a good one and god bless
2: god bless everyone